We're excited about this series that we're on. It's called In Case of a Power Outage. So if you get your Bibles out in your worship guide, there's some sermon notes available in paper form. Or if you're more of a techie, you can get on your phone and uh, go to the Version Bible app if you've downloaded that. And uh, the sermon notes are available there in the events section. And I uh, hope you can use those. You can download those and save them. And then let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Woo! Ephesians chapter 1. We just holler because we're excited about the Bible. Anybody else excited about Jesus? If you're not excited about Jesus, it's going to be very discouraging for me during this message. So I'm going to need you to ramp up your expectation because I'm excited about what God is saying and what he's speaking to me and what he's speaking to to us through his word. Ephesians chapter 1, I want to get right into it. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 here in just a moment. This series has been about us tapping into and experiencing the power of God in our lives and realizing that there's more to the Christian life than just merely surviving. How many of us, we want the Christian experience to be something more to offer people than just better, better morals? If all we have to say to people is, hey, I'm a Christian, I don't do bad things. That's not much of an offer. I believe God has called us to walk in power. I believe he's given us power. I believe there's power accessible to us as believers, and I just want to tap into that more. So this message today is really to me, and you just get to hear something that God is speaking to me about. Because I'm asking God to help me in areas of my life. I'm digging into, I'm not asking God to do more for me. I'm asking him to help me receive what he's already done. And I'm wanting to know how to do that. I'm wanting to grow in my relationship with God. I want to access more power in my life. Because I believe he's called me to walk in power. Not just to have a better, you know, well, I just don't do those things. I don't do that. I just think God's got power for us. That when we show the world that a life with Jesus is a life of power, it's more appealing. The world is hungering for power. That's why they're seeking to get their fortune told, and, and they're going to people to find out about their, their uh, what is that called? Getting, you know, to get their palms read, and, and they're reading their, you know, tarot cards. Or, they want the supernatural. They want a word of knowledge. They want a word of prophecy. They're looking for God to speak into their life. They just don't know how to get it. The world loves the supernatural. They want the spiritual. Well, I'm telling you, God has it to give it to them. He has the supernatural. He has power, but we've got to lean into it and not just be satisfied. We're the church, and we don't do bad things. How about showing them we're the, we're the church, and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and God is alive and well, and he wants to show you that he wants to get all up in your business right now and show you that he's powerful. Have you found Ephesians chapter 1 yet? I told you we got to be excited about today. Ephesians 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 15. And it says here, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, this is Paul writing to the church, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So now he's praying for him. Look at what he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, talking about Jesus, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, Jesus is above it all, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is you, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In case of a power outage, I want to go back to verse 18. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, so you need to go back and watch and or listen to previous messages to catch up. But in verse 18, he prays that the eyes of our understanding would be open. In other words, we'd be enlightened, we'd see things, we'd be out of the dark, that you may know three things, he tells us. Follow there in scripture. That you may know, number one, the hope of his calling. That you may know that God is a hope dealer. He's a dealer in hope. That he wants us to keep showing up with anticipation and expectation because God will show up for us. Just want to encourage you to know the hope of his calling. That's the first thing. Second thing, that you may know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's a mouthful. We talked about this last week. It's just... It's not about our inheritance or being an heir. Receiving an inheritance is not about what we deserve, but it's about what he desires. When someone wants to leave you an inheritance, it doesn't matter what you deserve. It matters what they they desire. I said it this way. The desire of the lever trumps the deserving of the one receiving. The one who's leaving you an inheritance, their desire trumps whether I deserve it or not. So when God wants to give you an inheritance, stop getting tripped on what you deserve. Just talk about what he desires for you to have. So that was last week. So then this week, we're going to get into the third one. Three things we got to know. Hope of his calling. Second one, riches of this glory of his inheritance in the saints. Third one, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. We're going to break this down. That we may know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. This one statement, I'm going to break it down in three parts. I like doing things in threes because God's big on threes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit, Soul, and Body. He's a Trinity, Triune Being. We're Triune Beings. So I make it threes because I feel like there's more anointing on it. (laughs) So in this statement, I found three things that we need to know about the exceeding greatness of his his power. The first thing, the basis of this statement is that we need to know his power. Then we need to know the exceeding greatness of his power, the limits of his power. The third, we need to know the direction of his power towards us. So we're going to talk about all three of those things. The first one, that you may know the exceeding greatness of his power. Everybody say his power. His power. His power. power, The word power is a Greek word dunamis, which means ability, possibility, miraculous power. It's literally talking about what someone is able to do, to exert force. So we're talking about God's power. We're talking about God's abilities, what he can do, what he's able to do. God has power. And we need to know the difference between his power and our power. We need to know his power, his abilities. So too many times in our life, we get hung up trying to evaluate what we can or can't do based on our abilities and our resources instead of his abilities and his resources. 
How many of you have been to, you think about, well, can I do that? Should I go for that? Will that happen? And we get caught up thinking, well, am I smart enough? Do I have enough resources? Am I spiritual enough? We start thinking about our abilities and our resources, and we decide whether we should go for it based on our power. But he says we need to know his power. His power. Because his power is what we're going to try and tap into in our lives. Look what his power is talking about. He compares it in verse 20. It's the same power he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says this, And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So the scripture tells me I need to know his power, and this scripture tells me that his power will raise me up. Raise me up so I... Sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to sing that. But anyway, he'll raise you up. So it sounds really cool to say God's power is going to raise you up. You've got to rise up, raise up. But what does it mean? Does it mean get out of bed? Some of you need the power of God to get out of bed, I'm sure. <laughs> but it would raise up. Here's what the word raise means. I found, guess what? Three applications to the word raise for his power. The word raise, the first thing it talks about to awake someone from sleep. To awake someone from sleep. The second one he talks about is to resurrect something from the dead. The third one is about to cause something to come into existence. So I said, God, what are you talking about? He said, here's what it is. My power, his power is going to help us in three different kinds of situations. And I believe all of us are either dealing with one of these three now or we will sometimes in our life. The first one talks about sleep. When we talk about sleep, what are we talking about? Talking about being tired. You need to sleep when you're tired. So what it's telling me, how many has ever felt weary, tired, worn out in the battle when you're serving God? You know, you get tired. You know, the enemy just keeps bombarding you with thoughts over and over, and his attempt is to wear you down. You just get tired. God says, my power is available for those who are weary and beaten down. The Bible says in Galatians that we not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. So his power is available when we're tired. Second thing, the, the word was when we're resurrected from the dead. How many has ever felt or you've been in a situation where it's dead? It's not asleep anymore, Chad. It's dead. There's no hope. I had something, but now it's dead. We had feelings for each other, but now they're dead. It's over. It's too late. It's, it reminds me of the story when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he shows up, and Martha, one of the sisters of Lazarus, says, Jesus, you know, I'm glad you showed up late. <laughs> Not sure she said in those exact words, but she said, Jesus, if you would have been here earlier, I still had hope back then. But now it's today, and today it's dead. I had hope four days ago. But today, my hope is dead. His power is available not just while we're still alive, but Jesus' answer to her, he speaks to her, he says, Hey, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though they were dead, yet they will live. So his power is available even if your situation is dead to you. Those feelings are dead. Opportunities are dead. It doesn't matter. His power can bring it back to life. Can resurrect hope that was dead before. It can resurrect feelings that were dead. 
That's what he's talking about, his power. We got to know his power. Even if it's dead, it's not beyond his power. But sometimes we got to realize that even though if it looks too late to us, it's not too late to God. The third part is that it will bring something into existence. The first two, Chad, I understand something's sleep and you can wake it back up. That's pretty cool. I understand something was alive and it's dead. And he resurrected it. But those are things that have been there before and now they're not there anymore. You can bring them back. But this third situation, his power will help even with something that does not exist. He can cause it to exist. This is where you say, God, there's just no way. There's no way it'll happen. It can't happen. There's no possibility. It's never happened. It's never happened for anybody else before. There's no documented evidence that's not possible. He says his power is available even for that situation. Look at Romans chapter 4 says this, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Here's what we get out of knowing his power. We need to know that his power can raise us up when we're tired and we seem to have no strength. His power can resurrect things that have died and his resurrection power, his power can even make a way where there seems to be no way. I don't know what you're facing today, but God's trying to encourage me that Chad, no matter what's happening, if I need to wake something up in you, my power can do it. If I need to bring something back to life that died in you, my power can do it. If I need to create a way where there is no way, my power can do it. His power, we need to know his power. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. So we need to know his power. The second part of that is the first part of the sentence. The exceeding greatness of his power. So we need to know his power. Now the second part, we need to know the limits of his power. The exceeding greatness. The limits of his power. The word greatness just is a word that means magnitude or intensity. It's a Greek word where we get our, Greek, our word mega. God's got mega power. Means his the magnitude and intensity of his power. It's mega. It's big. But it's not just mega power. It's not just magnitude and intensity of his power. He goes on to describe it with another word, and he calls it exceeding greatness. We need to know the limits of his power because this word exceeding means this. Check it out. It means to surpass, to stand out, a degree which exceeds extraordinarily beyond any limit. We're talking about the power of God. So now the power of God exceeds all limits. It's like I would say to you that the river is exceeding its borders, like it's flooding past its borders. This is what God's wanting us to know. When we don't know the exceeding greatness of his power, we shoot too low. We need to know that he wants to, God wants to exceed our borders. His power wants to exceed our limits. He wants to go beyond our expectations. Too many times in my life, I don't know if you're like this, but I begin to pray according to what I think God can handle. So I water down my request to say things like, you know what? God, I've done some evaluating of this situation. I've done some research. I've looked at the pros and the cons. I've called a few people, put out a, put out a poll on Facebook and Instagram. And here's what we've decided that we want you to do. This is all we're asking for. We don't need you to do any more. We just need you to do this. And we begin to put God in our banks 
of what we want him to do and how we feel comfortable and how we want to control what he does and what we feel good about. You know, I think I can understand this. I can see this. This, this makes sense to me, God. So this is what I want you to do. I just want you to stay right here. I want you to stay right here in this spot. Yeah, that's my borders. That's my limit. And God doesn't want to stay in my borders. He's exceedingly, abundantly. We, he told this to Abraham. He said in Genesis 18, 14, he says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? We need to know the limits of God. I don't know what you're facing. I, don't, I know what I'm facing, but I don't know what you're facing. But God's saying to me, Chad, I want you to know the limits of my power. You know what they are? None. I'm going to pardon my grammar a little bit. But said, I ain't got none. I don't, have any, I don't have any limits. Look what he says, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. That's your God. That's his power. What are the limits of his power? Whatever you can think. You're watching online. You're right here. Take a moment. Whatever you need in your life, the situation, what's your ideal? What's your ideal scenario? Just to work out to the best. I mean, the ideal perfect scenario. Stretch a little bit. Stretch and say, you know what? You know, this would be fine, but I'd take this. You know, I mean, this would be great, but I would take, I would take this. You know, that, that would be a little bit extra. You know, I'd be a little, I don't want to be greedy, but, you know, I would take that. Go ahead, be greedy for a moment. Just give me permission. Be greedy to think a little bit above what would be bearable. This is what I want. What God's speaking to me is, Chad, that's great. You think that's a lot. But I want to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. We're shooting too low because we don't know the limits of his power. We're asking God to come down and be inside our borders and our limits. And God says, listen, enlarge the place. Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your dwelling. Enlarge where you live. Here's what God's saying. I don't want to come down and live where you live in your borders. I want to bring you up to where I live. I live in exceeding abundantly above. I don't mean to be yelling, but I'm just excited. And I don't say this like down at you. I'm saying this is God's calling me up. He's asking me to be, believe beyond my limits. He's saying no limits, no boundaries. I see increase all around me. I want to live a life with no limits and no boundaries. That's what God's calling us to. We need to know the limits of God's power. What are those limits? Goose egg. He doesn't have any limits. He doesn't have any boundaries. We need to know what he wants to do. We need to raise our expectations. Even in the midst of disappointment in my life, I mean smack dab in the midst of being bombarded with discouragement and disappointment, God's asking me to raise my expectations. So God, I don't want to raise my expectations. He says, you've got to understand I have no limits and I have no boundaries. So even in those moments, we got to say, God, I'm not asking you to come into what would make me feel better. I want you to flood my boundaries. I want you to flood my borders. I want you to go beyond what I'm comfortable with, and I just lean into your power. There are no limits to God's power. I don't know what you're facing today, but God just wants me to tell you there's no limits to what God can do. There's no boundaries. There's no boundaries. All right, the third part of that, exceeding greatness of his power. So we need to know his power. Number two, we need to know the limits of his power. Number three, this is important. We need to know the direction of his power. We need to know the direction of his power. Now, I'm going to try and calm down a little bit and, because I really want to teach this part. 
I'm teaching it to myself. What does this Bible say? Again, we don't want to, we don't want to, oh, Jesus, help me. I don't want to know, I don't want God to make me feel better about where I am. I want to know what he wants me to know so I can come to where he is. So he's challenging me in this. And this Bible says that I may know the exceeding greatness of his power, the direction of his power towards us who believe. That statement right there is where I want to land. Towards us who believe. What does that mean? Towards us. The word toward us just means a point reached or entered. Zero in with me. Full attention. A point reached or entered. You need to remember this part for the rest of this application of this point. Extending toward in the direction of. So his power extends in the direction of and reaches or enters a certain point. If I need to know that his power reaches and enters a certain point, then I want to know where that point is. If I want the power of God, and I understand according to this word, that his power extends towards us. If there's a certain point that his power enters, then I want to know that entering. I want to know that point. What does it say? Towards us who? Towards us who? Believe. Notice it does not say that his power of God extends towards us who understand. It doesn't say his power extends towards us who need it. Oh, I wish that one were true. Can I be honest with you? You're like, I hope so. I hope the whole time you're being honest with me, like you ask permission. <laughs> you say crazy things sometimes, sorry. Like I'm being honest the whole time, but this time I really want to... Just forget it. Just forget it. I wish the system was that his power is released to those who need it. I wish that's what it said. Too many times we're taught that to receive the power of God, all we need is a need. Then we'll do this, we'll focus on our need, and we'll think our job is to explain to God how serious our need is. And if we can talk to him passionately enough about our need, then we will convince him to come down and do something about my need. But that's not what the Bible says. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. It doesn't say towards us who need. So my focus is not on my need. My focus is on what I need to believe. Look what he says. Towards us who believe, that word believe is a Greek word that means to believe in, have confidence or faith. It's the same word used for faith in the Bible. Have faith or trust in, rely on, to be dependent on, to have confidence based on experience. So when I talk about faith, believing or faith, the power of God is released towards those who believe. I didn't write the Bible, I'm just reading the Bible. Towards those who believe, those who have faith, those who rely on. Let me just explain. Can I illustrate to you what I believe faith looks like in practical terms? This chair. I can say, I believe that this chair will support me. I have faith that this chair will support me. I believe with all my heart that this chair will support me. Am I in faith yet? 
I am not in faith as long as I just believe what it will do. As long as I say with all my heart, I am convinced that this chair can hold me. I believe it. I'm still not in faith yet. Here's when I enter into faith. Now I believe. I can say all the right words. I can use all the Christianese terms. I'm just believing God. I'm saying I have faith, God. I'm not, have, I'm not in faith until I rely on something. Faith is not hoping something will happen. That's not faith. That's wishing. Faith looks like this. I got no options. Right now, I'm not depending on that chair. I'm depending on my legs. But if I truly have faith in this chair, some of you are worried about the chair, but I got more faith than you do <laughs> in that chair. <laughs> but this is what he says. My power extends towards those who believe. So now God is not one of 17 options. He is my option. I rely on him. I depend on him. Are you getting the picture? I'm saying, God, I'm saying to this chair, if you don't hold me up, I'm going down. Right? Do we do that with God in our prayer? Do we say, God, you're it. You're all I'm depending on. My faith is in you. If you don't come through, nothing's going to work. All of my chips are in the table for you, God. That's when I'm entering into a place of faith that I'm depending on God. So now we understand this, what he's saying. What we hear sometimes, what we hear is maybe someone saying, because something didn't happen, well, you didn't have enough faith. To say that the reason I didn't experience the power of God in a situation is only because I didn't have enough faith would be an erroneous statement. To say that I didn't... To say that faith or belief has nothing to do with experiencing the power of God would also be an erroneous statement. It is part of the formula. Faith and belief, according to Scripture, it is extended towards those who believe. So we know that faith matters. We know that believing God matters. And this is what we want to do. Look at uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For everyone who what? For everyone who believes. Notice what it says. The gospel, the word of God. It is the power. Same Greek word. Power. Dunamis. Power of God to salvation. Direction. To salvation. So the word is the power to salvation. Towards. So we see what happens. Towards those who believe. To everyone who needs. Stay with me. Does it say power of God to everyone who needs? To everyone who? Everyone who believes. So does it matter if I believe? According to the Bible. I'm just saying according to the Bible, if I believe or not, it matters whether the power of God comes to me. We see it in two different places. Ephesians chapter 1, towards those who believe. Romans chapter 1, we say to those who believe. Now let's put this together. I want you to see something. The word salvation it doesn't just mean forgiveness of sins. When we say the word saved or salvation, many times we just think about forgiveness of sin. But this is a Greek word that means this. It means deliverance, rescued, restored, safety, health, or wholeness. So now we realize that the power of God 
leads to salvation, to deliverance, rescuing, safety, health, wholeness for everyone who believes. What do you need? What do you need? It's coming to those who believe. Now let me say this. Towards us, a point reached or entered. That was what we talked about, what towards us. Faith, I'll say it this way. Hope this makes, connects with you. Faith does not move God. Faith doesn't make God do anything. I'm going to burst a couple bubbles, and I hope it's okay. Faith doesn't make God do anything. Faith creates an opening to receive what's already been done. Faith doesn't manipulate the hand of God. He's not, <laughs> he's not waiting for you to pump, pump up your faith enough to convince him to do something for you. He's already made up his mind what he's going to do for you. Faith creates an opening for it to enter into your situation and my situation. Take Romans chapter 1. The power of, God to every, power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Let me ask this question. At what point does the power of God enter a person for forgiveness of sins? If I would relate it to something, you will put into practice something, just forgiveness of sin. At what point? If I say, I need to get born again, I need to get saved. At what point does the power of God to forgive me of sins enter into my life? The point that I believe. Romans chapter 10, if you believe in your heart, when you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Christ, you will be saved. The same Greek word sozo, delivered, rescued, made whole, health, all of that. So notice what it says. The point that, that the power of God comes into my life to make me born again. Titus chapter 3, I'm reborn, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All of that. When does that happen to me? It happens when I create an opening and the power comes in through faith. By grace am I saved through? Through. What's the channel? Faith brings it to me. At what point was that power available? 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross, and then he raised from the dead. At that point, it became available to everyone. Bubble number two, I'm going to burst. Are you ready? God's not waiting on you to ask him to forgive you of, his, of your sins. Oh, Jesus. God's not waiting for you to cry a little bit harder for him to forgive you of sin. God has already forgiven sin. He's already forgiven all of sin, past, present, or future. It's already been done. He's extended it. I could read to you many scriptures that point to this. In Ephesians chapter 2, the, 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 the separation between God and man, Jesus came in. He bridged the gap. There's no more anger. There's no more hostility. He's removing the, removed the handwriting and the requirements against us. He said, there is no more sin between us. It's in Jesus. So now, if I don't have to ask him to forgive me, what do I have to do? I need to believe that Jesus is the one who paid the price for my sin. And now forgiveness, the power comes into my life and I get born again. It's that so many times people think God's holding back forgiveness. Oh yeah? Tell me you're sorry. Tell me you're sorry. You're not sorry. You're, not cr you're sorry, all right, but you're not really sorry. You're not crying hard. Come on, cry hard. I need, I need more tears. More tears. More tears. 
Then I'll give you forgiveness. No! God's already released forgiveness. It's already out there. It's already available. And all he's looking for, who will release their faith to create an opening for it to enter into their life? It's out there. It's waiting for you. It's saying just, you know what, when I believe, there's the opening that God's been looking for. He's already seeking. His eyes are going all across the world. He's looking for someone to show himself strong towards. He's looking for an opening. He's wanting to get in your life. He's not looking for you to be sorry enough before he gets in your life. He wants in your life. All he's asking for is somebody to believe. Create an opening. If we can understand that for forgiveness of sins, it works the same way for deliverance, for being rescued, for being healed, for being whole. We just need to create an opening. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Folks, I, I want to submit to you this. The power is already provided. It's just waiting for us to pull it into us. Pull it into us. Look at your neighbor and say, pull on it. Pull it. I didn't say pull on my finger. You know, don't, don't, don't give him that joke. <laughs> Sorry, it's an old grandpa joke. <laughs> Stay focused. Stay focused. Let me, let me close with this story. Put your fingers down and focus on me, okay? So, <laughs> hey, so now, remember the woman with the issue of blood? You remember that story? Maybe you don't, but this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. She needed healing in her body. She went to the doctor. She tried everything. Nothing against doctors at all. It just they could not do any more for her. But she heard about Jesus, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. I will be sozoed. Same word as Romans chapter 1. I will be healed. So here's the story just in a snapshot. Luke chapter 8, Jesus is walking through the crowd and he says, who touched me? And the disciples were like, dude, everybody's touching you, bro. He's like, no, 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 no. Look what he said. No, somebody touched me. I'm not talking about tappy tap, tap tap, touch me. I'm about somebody touched me. Because what does he say? Because I felt power come out of me. Come out of me. Come out of me. He didn't send it. Somebody pulled on it. He didn't release it. He didn't say, you, I just choose you, I choose you, you, you get the power. He didn't do that. Somebody pulled on something. This is what he's talking You got to know the exceeding greatness of his power towards those who pull. Who pull. So he, so he, he says, somebody, somebody, somebody had power come out of me. So this lady, she declared to him, she comes falling down in the presence of all the people. She said, said why she touched him and how she was healed immediately. And Jesus said to her, verse 48, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Why did he say my power has made you well? That's what we should say. It wasn't me. It was all God's power. How come he said, how come he chose those words? Your faith has made you well. And that word made you well is the same Greek word sozo. Delivered, rescued, healed, wholeness. All of that. Your faith. Why? Because his desire was already to be healed. He just was looking for an opening. And when that power found an opening through a touch of faith, that power didn't even have to ask him who, 
when or how that power is released towards those who believe. He didn't even know who it was. He didn't have her name. He didn't have a word of knowledge. Oh, wait a minute. I'm hearing number 12. Number 12, 12 years and blood. Is anybody in the crowd? God can work that way, but this wasn't that. This was a woman who said, the power is made available to me in that garment, and when I touch it, I'm going to create an opening. And when I create an opening, that power is going to come into me because I believe it. How come everybody else, you know there's other people with issues touching him. Jesus, everybody's touching him. Everybody's touching him. How come, how come it didn't happen for everybody? I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is this woman pulled on it. And you may be saying like I am saying, but I've tried that. I did that, Chad, and it didn't work. I, I've, I've been praying. I believed and nothing happened. It, it, didn't, it didn't work out the way I home. It didn't, it didn't. I pulled. I thought I pulled. I pulled with everything I knew to pull. I, I did the, I went steps one, two, five, seven. I, I thought I did them all, but it still didn't work. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I just know what he's telling me. He said, Chad, I want you to keep pulling on me. I want you to release limitations and boundaries and keep going after my power to encourage those who are disappointed to say, hey, I, I've tried pulling, but I'm not getting any results. God's saying, that's okay. Keep pulling. This formula that it's released towards those who believe is not a formula to cause us to condemn ourselves and beat ourselves up. It's a formula to help us embrace the love of God and open up doors, to keep opening up pathways, keep opening up channels to let the power of God come into our life. We need to know His power. Not, not our power, folks. We need to know His power. My power is not going to do much for me. It's not going to do anything for you, but His power his power can help you. Maybe you got things in your life, situations that are asleep that need to be woken. God's wanting to do that. Maybe you got situations in your life that are dead. Those feelings are dead. Those emotions are dead. Sorry, too late. The ship has sailed. Well, God says, my power can even resurrect dead things. Maybe you're facing something that's impossible. It's never happened. Nobody's ever had it happen. But God says, I can even create a way where there is no way. We need to know the exceeding greatness. We need to know that there are no limits, no boundaries. Do you see limits around your life? Do you see boundaries all the time? God say, open your eyes to see no limits and no boundaries. Nothing is impossible with God. And the lastly, towards us who believe, can we create an opening for the power of God to come to us? Faith doesn't move God it creates an opening for his power to come to us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.